Welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Grizz and Grind, 305 Culture, Blazing the Path, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, Nuck If You Buck, Spanning the Spurs, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, Thunderous Applause, and the Wizards Hoops Analyst. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and the Green Light. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham. We got a lot to get into tonight. The Cavaliers just pulled off a, I I guess they were included in a gargantuan four-team trade. Uh, James Harden is a Brooklyn Net. Victor Oladipo is a Houston Rocket. Karis LeVert is an Indiana Pacer and a bunch of other stuff. The Cavaliers in this trade ended up acquiring Tarian Prince from the Nets along with Jarrett Allen, the big fish here. Uh, they only had to give up that 2022 Bucks pick that we have been talking about a little bit in the past. Uh, they also sent Dante Exum along with it to the Rockets and a 2024 second round pick to the Nets. So, you know, at first glance, this really does seem like an outstanding deal. We'll get into it a little bit more. Um, obviously, the Cavaliers brought in two players, only sent out one, so they had to waive another player. They ended up waving Thon Maker. Makes sense. Um, obviously, that would just... With Jared Allen coming in, center spot was a little bit loaded. Thonmaker was kind of the easy guy to wave there. And Yogi Ferrell was also waived. Uh, the Cavaliers no longer qualified for a hardship exception due to Exum leaving. So they were forced to waive Yogi as well. But uh, I guess we'll just kind of get into the trade and get into the pieces that we brought in. Um, we'll start with Jared Allen, a 22-year-old center, a late first-round pick from Brooklyn a couple of years ago, this season averaging 11 and a half, well, 11 points, 10 and a half rebounds, uh, shooting about 67% from the field so far this season. Started about half of Brooklyn's games. Uh, it's been kind of a weird situation for Jarrett this season and last a little bit as well, just because they also have DeAndre Jordan. And for some reason, they believe in starting him over Jarrett. Jarrett was probably the better player. Well, I'll just say he was the better player. But uh, I guess we'll, we'll just get into it. Amadou, I want to start with you. Uh, what are your thoughts on this trade in general? And it doesn't even just have to be the Cavs. It could be any of these teams that you liked or disliked. And, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on Jared Allen and how he could potentially yeah, fit here? Well, just getting into the trade, I feel like every team won this one. You know, if you want to talk about the Pacers, you know, getting rid of Victor Oladipo, that was a guy who we saw in this offseason. He was looking to get out of there. He probably wasn't going to resign. So, essentially, it looks like they got Karis Silver for free. You know, uh, the Rockets, of course, you're getting back Victor Oladipo as well as an assortment of picks. Um, I think they got Dante Exum too and Rodney Kuroks. Um, for me, I probably would have kept uh, Karis LeVert if I was the Rockets. But, I mean, at the same time, I don't know. I feel like they're still trying to make the playoffs. And that core that they still have could definitely contend for the eighth seed, you know, if they build that chemistry and such. Of course, we know the Cavs, that I'm going to get into a little bit later. And then, obviously, the big dogs of the trades, the Nets getting James Harden to pair with Kyrie Irving and KD. 
you know, talk about losing the depth or, you know, defense, whatever. I mean, when you have James Harden, Kyrie, and Katie, that doesn't really matter. You know, you make that trade 10 times out of 10, their offense is going to be insane. But looking at the Cavs now, it seemed like the Cavs just kind of swooped in and just essentially stole Jared Allen and uh, alongside Tyrion Prince. You're only giving up Dante Axum, uh, that Bucks pick, which will probably be the low, low 20s anyway, and then second round pick for a guy who, you know, Jared Allen's a pretty good rim protector, you know, and he's a rim runner too. He's a guy who can actually set screens for us, um, a great finisher around the rim. And again, like you said, he's only 22 years old, so he fits right in with that young core. Um, it's, it's an amazing trade. You know, it's an astounding trade. Um, I love what the Cavs did today, and I'm excited to see what Jared Allen will be able to do with this team. Jared Allen, along with Colin Sexton, well, actually, no, never mind. Uh, Colin will be next year, but I was a little bit of an error there. But uh, anyway, Jared Allen will be a restricted free agent this offseason, so uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Cavaliers handle that. I'm assuming that it's pretty much a done deal that they extend him. It just depends on how much that'll be, and we'll kind of see as the season goes along how he plays with the Cavs. But uh, Dan, some general thoughts on the trade, some general thoughts on Jared Allen. Yeah, I just think from the Cavs, for them to be able to swoop in like this, um, just kind of as Amadou hit on, it's, it seemed like at this point, yeah, they might as well have done it. Um, really, I think it's a home run for for Kobe Altman um, and company. And just with what Allen's able to do um, at both ends of the floor, he, he's, again, only 22. Um, seems like that's kind of their – five spot for the future um you would think that that's it's pretty imminent that he's he's going to be signed via long-term deal here um and or matched uh and i just think it's kind of the kind of long-term solution to drummond um if, if he were to maybe be dealt uh further from here and or um if he were able to walk it just kind of solidifies that position and Allen's a little bit more, uh, I think, I mean, we haven't seen him as a perimeter shooter yet, but there's some potential there, um, at least has shooting, some some shooting touch in the short roll at times. Uh, and I just think for, for the Cavs, uh, we'll have to see as far as the kind of miniature for Prince, but... Um, I just think it's there was no reason if they were able to to not do it and um, per Fedor they were looking at acquiring um, Allen this offseason anyway so they just kind of were able to land their guy that they were looking at. Well, we had talked about you know in potential Kevin Love trades in the past, you right. know, potentially being a deal with the Nets and landing Jared Allen there. Um, so to be able to get him out of this for again essentially a late first, a, a second rounder and Dante Exum is really just, I mean, a, a fantastic move by the Cavs. Um, for, looking at this trade as a whole, um, I, I do love what the Pacers got as well. Um, you know, a guy who they probably wouldn't bring back and Victor Oladipo, they get a guy in Karis Levert who will be around longer. And um, I think they also got a second round pick out of that deal as well. So a great return there. Yeah. I mean, Houston might still be a playoff team right now. You bring in Victor Oladipo, who I don't love, but I think, you know, there, there's something there with him and John Wall and, yeah. you know, still having Christian Wood there as well. That's a good trio. You know, that's a team that'll be in the mix for one of the lower plans, the lower playoff seeds out West or, you know, a play-in seed as well. And then, obviously, 
despite giving up three first and four pick swaps, which again, obviously, for for the Rockets, I mean that's that's the big thing there is you're getting along with the Cavs pick, you're getting four first rounders and four pick swaps for James Harden. Um, that's about as as much as you could have asked for, other than you know whatever the Sixers could have offered as far as Ben Simmons, Tyrese Maxey, Matisse Thybulle, whatever. But um, you know, from the Nets, this was about as good as it was going to get. But at the end of the day, um, you know, the Nets get their guy, they get James Harden, and they are probably well, they are a legitimate title contender now. Um, if they weren't already, so I think yeah, like you said, a good move all around, Amadou. But uh, focusing in a little bit on Prince now, um, twenty six years old has. Well, somebody in Atlanta that was kind of impressive to start, um, kind of came into the league as more of a defensive identity type of guy, and quickly kind of flipped that, I think, as far as someone who was a better outside shooter than people originally anticipated, I believe in his second year or third year in Atlanta, had a year, like, where he shot in the high 30s on, like, a pretty, like, pretty good efficiency, like, as far as attempts and difficulty of attempts, uh, kind of dropped off in Brooklyn. Hasn't really been able to find his role there in you know last year or this year. Um, just hasn't been able to get the the shots to fall at the same rate. You know, kind of a black hole at times with Brooklyn. And like I said, well, I think he kind of came into the league as you know a defensive guy. At least you know that's what we would thought he would be. It, it seems like that really hasn't been the case. Uh, whether it's just an engagement thing or. Particularly in Atlanta, he also had a pretty big offensive load. So I don't really know what it's been with him throughout his career, but you know he does have the size and the length to where you think, yeah, this guy could you know be a good defender in the right situation. So it'll be interesting to see how he does here. Um, making twelve point two five million dollars this year, uh, thirteen million next. That is a little bit of an overpay, but I think you know considering the fact that you're acquiring Jared Allen, um, you're, you're willing to take on a little bit of salary and you get a wing who could contribute at the same time a little bit. Um, Dan, how do you like the Tarion fit here? It seems like he's kind of, at least if this team is going to be completely healthy coming into a little bit of a crowded wing position, do you like where he fits? Where do you think he does fit? Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. I think the, with naturally, um, I think, I mean, his, his most comfortable position really is at the three. Uh, but I just think with him, it's again, interesting just because JB Bickerstaff with how he's kind of um, obviously injuries have played into it, but I could see him playing anywhere between the two and four. Uh, again, it's kind of a guy that could uh, add rotational shooting um, for the Cavs. And I, I just look at him, I, It'll be interesting to see what happens uh, when Dylan Windler can kind of be back in the fold here. Um, I just think what kind of stands out is I, I feel like it's kind of Dylan Windler insurance just in case he, um, given that at this point we have to say he's injury prone just because of what's happened. Um, I think that's kind of what stands out. And maybe with more rim protection around him. I think, I mean, last year he played a lot in kind of a small ball four role. It's not really his natural role. I think with the Cavs, him being able to kind of go around the perimeter um, at times, and probably not a lot at the two, but could play there a little bit in jumbo lineups, you would think. Um, But I just think it's a guy that can, in theory, add some defense. Um, I, I think with kind of 
rim protection behind him um, could maybe benefit from that. But I, I just think it's around guys with Isaac Okoro, him, uh, the Cavs really have kind of added length, a, a lot of length here. And um, it, it could maybe in theory be kind of a tertiary um, on-ball driver type guy as well. Yeah, I think he can definitely fill that role. Um, like I said, you got to hope that the shot's going to come around a little bit. And he's not the, he's been shooting terribly. I think he's still hovering at around 35% over the last yeah. couple of years, if I'm not mistaken. That's what, well, that's what it is this year, yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, so still solid from there. So, you know, someone who at the very least will still be a contributor on this team. Um, and like like I said, you know, it's a good point with kind of, I guess, Windler insurance. And you, you have to hope that Windler doesn't keep getting injured, you know, just right. the freak injuries that we've had already. But it, it will be interesting to see how he fits in as far as KPJ kind of being in that mix as well. Windler, Okoro, obviously, Jetty, obviously. Dame. Damian Dotson filling in, I guess, a little bit in that 2-3 as yeah. well. I guess I just – I think of Damian Dotson as a point guard at, at first thought right now. So – but yeah, when things oh, are back yeah. to normal. I mean, you'd fa- – yeah, mostly the two. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm, I'm when, totally When things are back you, to just... normal, Dame's probably more of a 2-3, you're right. But uh, – so it will be interesting to see kind of that positional battle as, as far as, you know, who gets the minutes and who doesn't. Dan, I want to pose this question to you. Um, well, I guess I can, I'll pose it to you first, Amadou. How do you compare a guy like Tarian Prince to a guy like Jetty Osman? Kind of in the same role, kind of in the same spot in their careers as age-wise, uh, and probably will be fighting for some minutes here. That's what I was thinking of as well, because oh, Torian Prince, I don't know, I feel like, like you guys said, you know, he played he played well, you know, with the Hawks, but... Since he's gone on the Nets, it's been kind of on and off with him. I feel like there's some times where he'll try to do too much. But when he's stuck in his role as, you know, maybe a 3 and D guy or just an off-the-ball guy, I feel like, yeah, he's definitely solid. Um, is he better than Jetty? The way it's looking right now, yeah. I feel like he's he's an upgrade over him. But we'll just have to see what he brings to the team because, I don't know. I feel like there's some times where he tries to do too much. He tries to get out of his element, and that, that just really hurts him. And that's where the question comes up. Who do you keep if, you know, one has to go? Because like you guys are talking about, our wing depth is very, it, it's getting, I don't want to say out of hand, but it's getting to be too much because, of course, we have Osman, like I just said, Wimber, KPJ should be back, you know, sometime this season. Okoro, of course, and then you add in Prince to that, you know, I feel like one of those guys has to go and I just doubt it's going to be one of the younger guys. So I feel like it's probably between those two and then, you know, at the end of the day, it's just more competition for our wing uh, rotation. Which, I, that's never a bad thing. And honestly, if we were to see a little bit less of of Jetty, you know, I think, again, especially compared to right now, he could we, we would be okay with a slightly smaller role from him. But yeah, definitely something overall, something to watch. Um, looking at just some other things here... Um, we talk about the this the small forward or just kind of wing minute battle. With this trade, the Cavaliers also now have kind of a battle at the center spot. You have Jared Allen, who is maybe your long-term starting center, but you also have Andre Drummond, who I think is still your current starting center. I don't think you start Allen over Drummond, at least right now. 
And I also don't think that you start them next to each other. Uh, and then you still have McGee on the fold, who's been logging a lot of minutes, and he's been effective there. Um, Dan, what do you make of the the kind of the center logjam that we have right now? And uh, you know, do you see a trade coming? And if so, out of out of Andre or Javale, who do you think is more likely to go? If not both? Yeah, I think for me, um, we've seen the Drummond rumors. I mean, it would seem that he could be moved by the deadline. But I think with this Allen acquisition, I think um, McGee seems pretty likely to be moved um, by the deadline. That seems clear to me. Um, and very movable piece there. Uh, I think he's due to make $4.2 million or set to make, which would be kind of the number there. Um, can be kind of – that seems evident. Um and but when it comes to Drummond, I think it's he could be moved. Sure, you would think, but I think with um, the Cavs having to sign Allen long term, um, again we'll have to see as far as the numbers there. But I just think it's pretty tailor made to have Drummond's deal just kind of go into cap savings. Uh, again, he could be moved, but I just think for them, given that. Um, Prince or his kind of salary and also being potentially an expiring piece, I, I believe next season. Um, I just feel like it's, you have Dre start from here um, through the end of the year, kind of maybe help Allen out to an extent. He, he does seem like he's pretty bought in still. Um, and uh, maybe I, I just wouldn't expect Roman to be back next season. Uh, after this acquisition, but again, I, I think it's pretty fair to say that it's pretty tailor made for them to just have him kind of walk. Yeah, I think that in my eyes, I think it's still most likely that I, I think I won't say it's most likely, but a, a deal like this does increase the chance that Drummond gets flipped at the deadline. In my eyes, considering, and I know that with the hot start, maybe some people had changed their minds on that, but. I, it well, that like also it was could always... factor into that too. I mean, is it yeah. could kind of work both ways? But I, I hear yeah. you. I mean, I, I think it's it, it's hard for me to say definitively either way. But yeah, I, if he were to be dealt, it wouldn't be at all shocking. Yeah, it seems like that's always kind of been the plan was to deal him at the deadline, and I think you know, as the season has gone on and Andre has looked very good, you know, to give him credit, you know, there there were some kind of talks of well, maybe a short term extension if if you know the numbers right. I think a trade like that takes us out of the window completely, like you said. I think there's there's almost no world in my eyes unless you know, unless an unfortunate injury to Allen, which you know obviously we don't even want to consider. But uh, I, that that's really the only way I see Drummond having a long term future on this team. Uh, going to Javale uh, in the same sense, I just don't know where he gets a lot of playing time right now when this team is healthy. Even when this team isn't healthy. I mean, he, he's going to be pushed back to the third center. Obviously, you're not going to, you know, limit the minutes of Andre or Jarrett, you know, unless maybe, you know, whatever's going on with Andre's Achilles right now, maybe that takes a little bit of time out. But obviously, long term, that's not something that, you know, unless you have a deal in place for Andre right now to where you think you can get him off, I, I don't really see a role for JaVale on this team. Overall, Amadou, where are you at with these three guys? Yeah, I agree with what you guys said. I mean, the writing is pretty much on the wall. Now, I feel like you move JaVale. He's the easier of the two, him and uh, Drummond, to move. 
Uh, funny enough, it might honestly be to the Nets. Um, uh, if that's something that formulates, yeah. But um, like you guys said, or like Dan said, it's, it's just no reason for the Cavs to per se ruin their cap to try to get off of Drummond and acquire extra picks. I feel like at best, you just let Drummond walk, you know, in free agency and then, you know, use that money that, well, not to say he's going to get a $28 million contract, but the money that you're saving from not extending Drummond, you know, you can use that money towards obviously giving Allen an extension. Yeah. 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 Justin, I, I liked what I think you suggested it basically just moving McGee to the Nets for what is it, that DPE, um, and maybe in exchange for like a, a future two or two of them or something like that. I don't know if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Well, obviously, with this deal, uh, the Nets are basically left with, and they have uh, Reggie Perry and Nicholas Claxton, but not guys that, you know, you're right. going to trust to play in the playoffs, obviously. My thought here was that. The Nets are kind of. I think they're they're left now with three open roster spots, and yeah, I they're, think not, that's what they're not they're not kept, obviously, so they can no, acquire salary. So my thought was obviously this team has a kind of a hole at the center spot um, for sure, and they have due to the I think it was the the partial ACL tear of Spencer Dinwiddie. The Brooklyn Nets applied for and were granted a disabled player exception. I believe that was at around five point seven million dollars. Yeah. Basically, how a disabled player exception works is if a player has been ruled out for the rest of the season, a team can apply for, and in this case, get granted a disabled player exception. The team is allowed to use that exception to acquire a player in the last year of their contract. So that kind of works out perfectly. Obviously, like $5.7 million, or JaVale's making, I believe, just a little bit over four. Yeah. Obviously, in the last year of his contract, that would almost be a perfect fit. You know, they get the backup center that they need, a veteran with championship pedigree. Uh, and, yeah, it wouldn't cost the Nets a lot. Obviously, they just pretty much – well, they, not pretty much, but they did clear out the cupboard of, of first-round picks. But they still have seconds that are available to trade, um, whether it's one or two. They could probably get a deal done for just a second-rounder, you'd have to assume. Maybe the Cavaliers could squeeze out two somehow – Kobe Altman's been good with that kind of stuff, so we'd have to see what kind of thing he could pull off. But that seems like a very, very logical destination for JaVale at some point. Overall, um, any any obvious uh, Drummond spots to either of you? I'm not really sure where the deal would be right now, but um, overall, it probably is, the more I think about it, more likely that maybe he just finishes out the season, but obviously we'll have to see. Uh, yeah, I just don't really see a trade formulating at least for right now, maybe in the future, a team, you know, that's maybe on the hump near the trade deadline will want to make a trade to see if they can make that final playoff push. But, yeah, I, I just feel like we'll just let them walk during this offseason. Looking at yeah, some, some other guys I, on the roster. Sorry, Dan, what are you saying? No, I just think Damerald said he reported that the – basically about the Spurs having interest. But, that was, I mean, basically just kind of – said that from what he reported a while back, just as a suggestion. But I, I'm honestly with both of you guys on that. I wonder who it would be in that case. Yeah, would it be I, a Jakob-centered trade? Yeah, that's a what Pertle I was thinking. Centered? I don't really... Like, at that point, uh, why would you do that for Allen? Like, like right. if you already have Allen. Yeah, it's so. just... It, at this point, it seems just unclear right now. Yeah. We'll have to see how things shake out. Obviously, you know, if rumors pop up, we'll be talking about them right here. Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. 
With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. But obviously the Cavaliers lost a few players as well. Um, had to wave Thon Maker to save roster space. Parted with Exum. Uh, parted with Yogi. I want to get into Exum first a little bit. This whole part of it is just sad to me. Um, and obviously, it's not like his career is over. He's going to Houston. He'll be in another situation there where he'll probably have an opportunity for playing time. And he's only out a couple months. It's not like it's a season-ending injury. But it just sucks to see... You know, I, I I wanted the Exum experience here in Cleveland to work out so bad. Ever since the time of the trade, you know, I was I, I was really hopeful that you know just taking a flyer on a guy like that, you know, was always something that I was a, a fan of, and I've always been a fan of Dante. He just seems like a great guy, and I, like I said, I think he does provide some value on the court, even if it's if, if it's in a limited way. But um, at the same time, I think we were talking about Damian Dotson a little bit earlier. It seems like Dan. Damian Dotson basically has the backup point guard position on this team right now. Obviously, you know, Sexton can play there in spurts. KPJ can play there in spurts. But it seems like Dotson has proven over this stretch that that's a position he's capable of playing, and it seems like he's got the job. Would you disagree? Yeah, I think right now it's pretty clear. Um, We've seen him uh, kind of impressed with his passing ability. I don't think, again, I don't think it's just empty kind of de facto, or I guess like by default, assist numbers. I think he really has meshed with a number of pieces and um, I, I'm definitely with you on that. I, I really like what he's been able to do kind of in that 2-3 zone um, in a defensive kind of playmaker role too. So um, just kind of a guy that can get to his spots. Um, it seems to manipulate pick and rolls pretty well too. Um, I, I'm totally with you on that for now at least. Amadou, how are you feeling about the Dante Exum departure? Any general thoughts on the the Dante experience I just, here? Uh, you know, I don't really like that it had to end like this, you know, him being traded or not getting the ending that he wanted. I guess, you know, leaving on an injury is, is never good. Yeah, very, very abrupt. abrupt. Um, yeah. But like you said, you know, when it first started, I, I liked the trade. The Cavs taking a flyer on a, a former, I believe he was a number five overall pick. Just seeing, you know, if there's something there. But personally, for me, coming into the season, I always looked at it as like either he gets traded or he's, you know, the Cavs are going to let him walk in free agency. I always seen this as the last season for him on the Cavaliers. And, you know, we made the trade. I, I never thought that, you know, we'd be able to acquire Jared Allen for him. But that's the thing that was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's just first. what happened. But, you know, just getting to Dotson, another, like, again, I, I just hit Dotson getting his minutes or, you know, getting this opportunity to be the backup PG due to an injury, you know, is again, that's another bad thing, but you know, like Don, uh, excuse me, Damien has stepped up. So I like, I believe he's deserved. That's a player who me and Dan have both said, you know, throughout this um, season so far that we believe that he should have started or gotten that backup role over XM due to his mm. shot creating ability, you know, his shooting ability. 
I feel like whenever KPJ comes back, he's a much better fit than Axum will be alongside him. And I'm just excited to see what uh, Dotson can do. He's played pretty well, you know, over these last couple of games with the circumstances that he's under, so many injuries on the team. I, I like what I've seen from Dotson. Just kind of thinking about Dotson, I'm just kind of thinking, looking back on the original trade, obviously it was Jordan Clarkson for Exum in two seconds. It just kind of shows you that, again, and, and it wasn't just from this trade, but the little moves that Kobe Altman has been making over these past few seasons are paying off. I mean, obviously, this was from the George Hill trade, this pick that we got. But think about, like, the, you know, the George Hill trade, in which the Cavaliers netted a first for George, and, you know, it, that wasn't the only part of the deal. But you look at that first and Dante Exum, which you got from Jordan Clarkson, you know, kind of seeming like small returns, you know, not not bad moves, but, you know, just kind of quieter moves, turns into a guy like Jared Allen, you know what I mean? It was the same thing with Kevin Porter Jr., you know, the, the four second-round picks that they were able to, to get from other teams, they turned into that. So Kobe Altman continues to do a great job there. Um, the Thon Maker era was short in Cleveland. We'll get to him in a second. But the Yogi Ferrell era was even shorter. Had two games here in Cleveland uh, in his debut. Had 16, or basically 17 minutes. Nine points in that game. Had two rebounds, an assist, two steals, and a block. Um, in his last game against Utah. Got in there for about 24 minutes. Had 10 points, five rebounds, four assists, a steal. I'll, do, I'll start with you on this one. Obviously, you know, we, we don't have Yogi Ferrell anymore, and it's unclear to see if he'll ever come back to Cleveland. Obviously, if they wanted to add him on a 10-day at some point, I don't know how exactly how that would be done right now because the Cavaliers don't have an open roster spot. But uh, what did you think of the short Yogi Ferrell era here in Cleveland, and would you be open to a return in the uh, future? I don't know if a return would happen because I feel like you know, some of these players like Garland, Sexton, you know, they're starting to get healthy. So I just don't know where he'd fit in that, you know, department. But I, I, feel, I like the Yogi Ferrell. I'm thinking more like, sorry, I was going to say, I'm thinking more like even in oh, free okay, agency okay, yeah, this yeah. coming season or mm-hmm. off season or whatever, just a return in yeah. the future. It doesn't happen uh, right now. Hmm. It's, it's going to be hard. I mean, I feel like an end of roster spot, yeah, we could definitely see Yogi in it right there. But uh, I, I, I don't really know, but. You know, just looking at how he played, I feel like that first game, you know, he played pretty well. He's, you know, showed off his shot creation abilities um, a few times in that Grizzlies game. Uh, the second game was a little more, you know, I feel like he was trying to do a lot more than maybe he should have looked to do. But I can't really fault him for that. You know, we were playing with what? I think we had eight players available or, or, or nine. And we were playing a lot of guys who wouldn't really get rotational minutes if everybody was healthy. So I can't really fault a guy for trying to be a hero in a situation where it was probably needed. But overall, I think the experience was was cool. It was decent. Um, yeah. Cool and decent, I think, are two pretty good words to sum up this. Uh, Dan, how have, you, how have you enjoyed the Yogi Ferrell era? Yeah, I, I actually really liked Farrell, um, at least in this kind of situation. I think he's a guy that, um, as Amadou alluded to, uh, can has that shot creation ability. I think he really, um, he's really quick. Uh, obviously, is short in stature, uh, not the biggest guy in the world, as we know. 
But I think had he stuck around, I mean, it's like not really considering this deal, but um, not knowing what was going to happen later on or earlier today in the evening. Um, I, I thought he was kind of a guy that you could kind of put in, even maybe uh, if they were to wave Maker or Wade or something, or potentially Delhi. Uh, I, I thought he might have been a guy you could kind of put in for quick bur- quick spurts um, just to create an instant offense. Um, his ability to get where he wants in the pick and roll uh, kind of showed, and he's he's been honestly a streaky kind of player in his career, but um, a guy that can kind of bring some instant offense type, and he can shoot off movement a little bit. So um, I, I thought it would kind of just clarify that he's kind of hot and cold. Yeah, I, I thought, like, like you said, it was a fun time having him here. Uh, just that, like you said, he's not a big guy, but just kind of the, the burst and explosiveness and kind of jitteriness to his game was enjoyable to watch. Um, a, a guy who's really able to start and stop well, um, you know, got, got into some mid-range shots and, and knocked a couple down. Obviously, the Cavaliers couldn't get a win with them, but it was it was fun while I was here. I, I liked Yogi, so... Um, Obviously, well, <laughs> no way to predict if he'll ever come back. But um, yeah, I think he's someone who probably deserves another shot in the NBA. Yeah, um, I think he's he's proven that much. I, I think even before this stint, you know, he he was a guy who had a case for you know coming back somewhere. Uh, and you know, teams like the Bucks or the Clippers or the Lakers that will eventually, you know, as you know, minimum salaries prorate be able to add one more minimum guy, I would not be surprised at all to see if, if Yogi Ferrell is, is one of the guys that goes to one of those contenders. So I think there's a very real possibility that he's back in the league at some point this year. We'll just have to see. <sighs> the Thon Maker era, we got to get into it. Uh, Amadou, I'll just kind of, I'll start with you on this one. Was the Thon Maker experience a disappointment for you or was it about what you expected? It was a disappointment. You know, when he was signed, he was signed only to a training camp deal. He was signed to be, you know, an end of end of bench type of guy. You know, he wasn't here to come in and play 20 minutes a game or 15 to 20 minutes like he was asked to due to the many injuries we had. And I feel like in those minutes, he played pretty well. You know, he's a nice energy, big, um, good shot alter. Obviously, like we talked about in the last pod, we wanted to see him shoot more threes. That was a big reason as to why I felt like he kind of had a fit on his team was that floor space and ability that they showcased on the Pistons. Didn't really do it here, but I wouldn't call it a disappointment. Um, but, of course, we have upgrades over him. So, you know, his time has just come. Yeah, and the thing with Thon was, I mean, obviously he was the last guy on the roster to, to make it. So it kind of made sense that, you know, especially with bringing in a center, he was the guy to get cut. But in, in a normal circumstance, it's not like they would, I think, cut him, you know, just due to his play and if this trade weren't to happen. Uh, like you said, I, the one disappointment that I think you can look at for me was that the perimeter shot never got going at all, which, again, I think was kind of a, a big selling point for me for bringing in a guy like him. But overall, another guy that I kind of think played well and, you know, well enough as far as what it was asked of him. And obviously, you know, nobody expected to see this big of a role from him. Nobody expected to see him playing small forward for this team. So, you know, at the end of the day, we'll, we'll have those memories and Thon will be a part of Cavaliers history for playing in the, the biggest lineups of all time. 
But uh, overall, it seems to me like I, I don't know if he's so much as someone that's going to get an opportunity this year again. Um, maybe a 10-day guy somewhere. But it seems more likely to me that he might end up back in the G League somewhere and, you know, maybe maybe next year or, you know, later in the year at some point end up on kind of another one of those training camp deals and just kind of keep on fighting. Dan, what have you thought of Thonmaker's play and his time with Cleveland? Yeah, I don't think he really did bad. Uh, I, I think he kind of did what one kind of would have expected. Um had Kevin Love been healthy, uh, healthier at least, um, I don't it'd be would have been hard pressed to see him on the floor. Uh, I think in that situation we'd probably have seen Dean Wade more anyway, um, just because Wade has flashed some uh, shooting. Yeah, with Maker, there he just I just thought it was kind of surprising that he didn't even really at all take threes um that seemed to be kind of a seller at least in theory for him coming in and i, I just don't really I, he did fine i thought his defense was okay i mean it, not it i don't know kind of had some rough circumstances to be in I had to guard vooch in parts of two games there um but i wish him the best of luck but for this year, I, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I think he's got a ways to kind of prove he can actually stay in the league. Well, moving on from kind of this, the the effects and the blowback of a little bit of this trade, uh, got to get into some other news. Um, I, the news that I expected this podcast to be about before this trade was um, the Cavaliers reportedly having some interest in Lakers guard Taylor Horton Tucker. Uh, he's a second-year player for the Lakers, uh, only 20 years old. He will be a restricted free agent at the end of the season. We'll get into some of the complications of what a contract might look like in just a second here. But uh, someone who you know was not a rotation player for the Lakers at all last year, played very, very few minutes, but has kind of exploded so far this season, especially in the preseason. He had some really, really great performances. And as a second-year, you know, second-round pick, has really, really impressed with his ability to show that he's a part of you know the Lakers rotation, which is, I don't, we can discuss who's better between the Lakers or Nets, but before today, the championship favorites probably, champ, you know, Los Angeles Lakers, Taylor Hort, Horton Tucker was looking like a really important piece for that team. So um, overall, Amadou, we'll start with you. Are you interested in the possibility of bringing in a guy like Taylor um, Horton Tucker? I'm always for the Cavs brain and, shot creators off the bench especially I feel like that's an area that the Cavs would need to look at you know especially considering you know Kevin Porter Jr.'s situation and such I think he'd be a great fit for the team um he's only 20 years old and like we said he's had some great games uh he had that one I believe that was what 34 I think he scored in the preseason he had another game against Houston uh, a couple days back uh where he had 17 points shot seven of eight five rebounds three assists I believe he also had four steals in that game so yeah, he definitely has shown some flashes, um, and it'd be a great pickup for, for the Cavaliers. Obviously, the Cavaliers allow competition, uh, and he's restricted so the Lakers could match the offer. We'll talk about again in a minute how that would work. But, Dan, what are your thoughts on Taylor Horton Tucker? Um, do you think that he – I guess, what do, you, what do you think the ceiling is for a guy like that? And, again, with a kind of loaded guard forward you know, position – being, you know, again, Garland, Dotson, Sexton, KPJ, Okoro, uh, Osmond, and Prince, I assume, will still be around. Windler will be around. 
do you think that uh, obviously if you were here um it would signal that you know he did have the season you know moving forward that we expect him to have which is a very good one and i'm assuming that you know he'd be able to you know find his way into the rotation here i'm not doubting that at all but how would you like his fit here and how do you dislike him as a player overall uh, I, I like um i like horton tucker and he's kind of does kind of a j- jack of all trades master of none type um i, I don't say that in a bad way uh i just um he, he's able to kind of get to his spots kind of can take advantage of cross matching some um obviously thick um, good passer too. Um, solid def- team defensive feel as well. Uh, I just think with the Cavs though, they're they're just it's I don't know. I just think he's I I, I like players that are kind of thick. Um, generally speaking, but just factoring in a Coro, thinking of Porter, um, and maybe I, I would imagine Dotson too. Um, and potentially um, we'll have to see as far as the Cavs draft pick. Um. I just I don't love a potential fit here. Um, one one knock on THT is dude can't really shoot. Uh, that's kind of a problem, and I just don't know if he can really affect games without the ball. So um, that's just hard for me to see that really happening, and doesn't really have much quickness um, at all. Um, but good pick and roll player. I mean, he's a good decision maker, generally speaking, uh, can kind of get to those push shots, but I, I just, I don't really know if he can affect games at, at all without the ball. So, uh, in that kind of way, I, I'm good on it. I think he's able to affect games at least. I mean, I, at uh, insanely high level and you mentioned the shooting, I think it's about 31% on the season and, yeah, the the three point shot isn't really exactly his, but you know, I just, like I just don't can, know how he would impact other players around him from like a developmental standpoint. Yeah, um, that's and that's a, kind that's a fair of the point. issue I have. Yeah, he is kind of a guy who needs to. I, I think he can fit in in a greater scheme, and I think he's proven that in Los Angeles so far, at least. But I I do understand what you're saying as far as just he he would be a guy that would you would want to kind of be featured. And I just don't know if that's necessarily something that we can offer to him. Yeah. I I just, I don't just considering Porter. I just, I just don't really love it. Yeah. And another thing with Taylor Horton Tucker is. And Windler. Yeah. And Windler. But with his contract being up now, he is, uh, he's basically, he's subject to the Gilbert Arenas rule, which is just a really weird contract thing. Essentially, the Cavaliers couldn't pay him more than the mid-level exception in free agency. Uh, how the arena's rule works is basically – how do I want to say this? It's – since the Lakers only have early bird rights on Taylor Horton Tucker because he's only been in the league two years. That's the most that they could possibly have on him. Since his contract is expiring and they don't have full bird rights, the league doesn't want to let another team come in and offer – more than the Lakers can, you know, physically pay him. So what they do is they limit him to the mid-level exception, which is something that the Lakers could match. Uh, he would make the mid-level for the first season. Uh, I think it get a 5% raise or, you know, roughly 5% raise the second. And then in those third seasons, you can see a salary spike um, up to the max. 
But, you know, the contract could be really, really weird for him. And if he would want, you know, higher money in that third year, I think that would get complicated. And again, it will depend on, you know, whether his kind of hot start will be sustainable. But it would just be a really, really, you know, difficult and tricky situation for the Cavs or for any team really to try to land him just as far as contract negotiations and whether the Lakers have it, you know, deal with it in the first place because the Lakers could just match and, you know, end it right there. And I think that's probably what's going to end up happening. Um, You know, getting a guy like him, drafting him, I think that, you know, he's going to be too important to what they're doing moving forward, just having a young guy who can contribute. So I I think that Taylor Horn Tucker probably ends up in LA for the long haul. Moving on to one more thing here, um, the G League draft, <laughs> the G League has a draft, uh, happened this week. The Cavaliers had two selections in the top 10, I believe, in the top six, actually. They took Antonio Blakeney and Anthony Lamb. I'll be completely honest, I really, I, I don't know more about Anthony Lamb than what CBS Sports has to say about him. They have to say that uh, he was a two-time American Eastern Conference Player of the Year in his career at Vermont. He played four years there. Uh, was a career 16.4 point per game guy. Uh, and obviously, Antonio Blakeney has been in the league with the Bulls. Uh, someone who, again, is just kind of known as a kind of a shot creator, maybe kind of in that Lou Will, Jordan Clarkson mold, but not nearly as efficient. Um, do you guys have any substantial takes on either Anthony Lamb or Antonio Blakeney. Obviously, they won't be with the Cavs this year, but there'll be guys that'll be around here for a while, and we might see these are probably going to be, you know, potential training camp guys next year, um, maybe 10-day contract guys this year if something else happens. Any takes from either of you? Dan, we'll start with you. Yeah, with Blakeney, eh. Um, uh, yeah, with Lamb, um, kind of a guy that can fill it up, um, potentially kind of a tertiary career um actually i don't can't remember the, the kind of splits but showed some rim protection ability as well i mean he played in the america east so you kind of like yeah but uh just th- that kind of player i could see is kind of maybe carving out a career um kind of a heady guy um and that's kind of the one that stuck out more. Um, yeah, with Blakeney, it's kind of bounced around a little bit. I don't really think much of that, but Lamb could be a guy that I, I could see maybe being a potential kind of end of bench rotational shooter somewhere, maybe. Yeah, Blakeney just seems to me like kind of a guy who's talented to, you know, fill it up against G-leaguers, but when he got into the NBA, just was completely overmatched and, you know, doesn't really have that shot-making ability and that just kind of shot-creation ability was kind of canceled out by, you know, NBA defenders, and he really doesn't have any value anywhere else, at least in my eyes. He um, was also 20. on the Bulls, so I give him a little bit of flack. He was slack, on the Bulls, but... and, you know, I mean, and he's still 24 years old. You know, there might be yeah. something left for him. But, uh, Amu, do you have any takes on um, either of these guys? Yeah, Blake Neff, like he is what he is at this point. Lamb, you know, he's kind of an interesting guy. You know, he's six six, about, I think, like 225. So, you know, he has a great frame throw for him. Solid rebounder for his size. I think um, in his junior year, he averaged just about eight rebounds. And for a, what do you want to call it, a forward, I mean, he averaged two blocks just about his junior year. So, you know, 
Defensively, yeah. I think there's a potential there. Uh, his shooting is kind of worrisome because it did dip from 36.5% his junior year to 29% in his senior year. But, yeah. He's, he's yeah, so, but That's even, sure. like, like Dan said, you know, an end of bench type of guy, he'd be an interesting guy, guy to look at uh, for the Cavaliers. Just kind of looking at this this week in review before we get out of here. Um, obviously, the the news of today kind of took over the headlines. But the Cavaliers lost a couple of games this week. They played Memphis at home, lost one hundred one to ninety one. They lost to the Jazz, uh, one seventeen to eighty seven. Obviously, we know all the guys that were injured. Talked a little bit about Yogi Ferrell. Other than that, uh, Colin Sexton still hasn't come back. Uh, you got to think that he's going to be here soon. Uh, he was a literally last-second scratch, I think, against the Grizzlies. Um, you know, was uh, supposed to be in the starting lineup until he wasn't called in the starting lineup. Nobody really saw that coming. Uh, and then the Cavaliers were without Andre Drummond against the Jazz as well. I think the official term was Achilles... What was it? Uh, an Achilles contusion. So nothing really to be super concerned about there. Um, I'm sure Andre could just... It was good for him to just have a rest night, probably, just because he has had a large workload. And if he does, if if he is dealing with a minor injury, you can understand him, you know, sitting out one game. But at the same time, you know, I, I don't think there are too many takeaways from a game like that, just because you're playing a good team in the Jazz, and you really just don't have anybody, you know, to play. Um, looking up at the schedule this week again, hopefully, you know, Drummond is back in the fold. Uh, hopefully Allen and Prince are in the fold. Hopefully Sexton's back. You know, Garland should be coming back soon. We'll have to see about some other guys. But the Cavaliers play the Knicks and the Wizards, uh, two two very winnable games. Um, Dan, how do you like the Cavaliers' chances in these next couple of games? Well, they they always seem to have issues against the Knicks for some odd reason. Um, to me, it'll be kind of... I don't know, given that the young guards, whether they play or not, will be kind of, I would think, could be rusty. Um, just factoring in that. Um, and also that Jetty Osmond has just been barely able to hit water if he thought of a boat. Uh, I just foresee the Cavs kind of having offensive, offensive issues again in that one. Um, I'll say that's an L. Uh, and I don't know if they'll be able to defensive rebound in that game either. Uh, and against the Wizards, I, I feel like they'll be able to kind of assert their will, especially with uh, that crushing injury to um, Bryant. I, I think that'll be pretty kind of like a wire-to-wire one there for a win. Yeah, I think the hopefully Kyle and Sexton is playing in that game, but it'll be interesting to see Kyle Sexton and Russell Westbrook go up against each other. I don't know other. if Westbrook will be in, actually. I think he's... Actually, that is true. Wasn't I think he out he's like not for supposed to. He his, could be out in both of the games. That, I, I didn't actually think of that, but you are right. Uh, that he Was it a quad injury again? Probably the same yeah, thing that he's doing within the bubble. I think it was that. But, yeah, so, you know, I think if they can get Andre back, obviously, between Andre and JaVale and Jared Allen, you know, that's a lot of size for... Robin Lopez and not a whole else to deal with at the center spot. So, yeah, um, I, I'm going to say that, you know, this trade brings a little bit of life into this team. And I think that, you know, they're at five and seven right now. I think they finish, you know, up until our next recording. I think they get back to seven and seven. Obviously, the Knicks have been off to a hot start. They seem to give the Cavs trouble. But I think that they're, they're going to start to cool down here. Um, 
And I think a lot of like the ratings, the the defensive ratings with the Knicks, I don't think are sustainable. They've been giving up a ton of threes. Um, and overall, I just think, yeah, they've been playing good basketball. But the Cavaliers, I don't know. I, I think this this trade has a chance to breathe some life into this team. And especially if they can start to get some guys healthy again, I think this team might get rolling. Amadou, where, where are you at? Where do you think that this yeah. these next two games um, will end up? I'm going to disagree with Dan here. I feel like we'll actually beat the Knicks. I feel like one thing during that first game was the fact that the Knicks were just hitting everything. You know, I just don't think we'll see a, a replicate of that type of, you know, scoring entourage from the Knicks this next game. Uh, and like you said, Julius Randle has been playing very, very, very good. Um, but Larry Nance is another guy who's, you know, really starting to come into his own now. He's been playing very well himself, you know, these last couple of games. So I don't know if Julius Randle will have his, what was it, a 27-point triple-double or a 24-point triple-double that he did last game. And hopefully we're healthy. You know, hopefully we get Colin back, Garland back. Um, I'm not sure if Jared Allen will be able to play. I don't know how, you know, the NBA is with the COVID things and everything. But... Yeah, I, I'm just kind of yeah. thinking he might wouldn't be able to play. I, but even so, I just I don't know how yeah. he'll fit in yeah. the first game of those um, new guys. Either way, I see both games as a win. You know, I feel like, like you said, the Cavs are kind of playing inspired right now. Um, I like our chances against the Knicks, and I like my our chances against the uh, the Wizards. Like you said, Russ, you know, he may play, he may not. Unfortunately, Thomas Bryant went out with that uh, was it an ACL injury. Yeah, it's sad to see him, too. And their defense has, even with those two in the game anyways, their defense has been abysmal. So, you know, I feel like there will be a lot of points scored in that game. And I feel like we'll come out of, out of that, uh, I feel like we'll come out 2-0. I'll like to hear it, I'm going to do. Um, anything else from either of you before we get out of here? Any Anything else you got to get off your chest? Well, thanks, Dante. Thank you, Dante. Thank you, Thon. Thank you, Yogi. Appreciate all that all of you have done here in Cleveland. <sighs> With that, I think we're going to get out of here, guys. Um, thank you so much for coming on, both of you. Thank you out there so much for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed listening, subscribe uh, so you never miss a future episode. Uh, leave a five-star rating. It really does help. Leave a review if you have the time. Uh, as Dan mentioned last episode, this is the 51st episode of Cavalier Central. Um, this is the 51st year that the Cavaliers have been a basketball team, and what do you know? We have a big trade to talk about. It all lined up. So, uh, again, thank you so much, and uh, we'll be back soon. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit mypodcastmanager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.